Greetings, we're Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory, we might use strong language. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week, finishing up our uh, little series on aliens. Uh, This week, talking about specifically alien abductions, alleged alien abductions. Um, You know, last week was all about famous sightings. This week, going to get into people who swear, totally swear, really, really happened that they got abducted by aliens and they learned things and had things happen to them. Um, look, I'm going to call BS on all of this right now. Um, because you know, look, I, you know, I said last week that look, aliens probably are real. Uh, but a probably not even close to the form that we imagine them, but also, like we're never going to come in contact with them. The universe is just so mind-bogglingly huge that um, it's just not going to happen. All right, never going to happen for sure, hundred percent. And like that can lead to like a larger discussion on like uh, religion and and afterlife and stuff. I, I've written a book about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But other than that, let's just entertain the idea that. Uh, these five people that we're going to talk about today really did have something happen. All right, we're going to look at the stories of Samuel Thompson, Buck Nelson, Reinhold Schmidt, Travis Walson, Walton, and Jan Volsky. Um, you know, you know, I I need to not have my bias uh, hinder your ability to listen and enjoy these stories. So uh, I'm just going to tell the stories and I'm going to really try hard to just not interject with my bias because who am I? Like, whatever. I am just an opinion. You've got your opinion. You get it. All right. You get it. Let's start the stories. On the night of March 28, 1950, Samuel Eaton Thompson, a retired railroad worker in his 70s, was driving to his home in Centralia, Washington, when he came upon a very large craft in the woods. Now, to try to connect it to last week's stories, uh, Kenneth Arnold, super central figure in um, all of this alien and UFO stuff that really popped up in the late 40s and 50s, he was also in this area, just very interesting um 
This craft that Thompson saw, which looked like a flying saucer, was, according to him, at least 80 feet across and 30 feet tall. Um, The craft's entrance ramp had been let down, and Thompson saw two naked, tan-skinned, human-like children that he noted was very clear on this, was very attractive, which is kind of creepy in and of itself. You got this old man, and he's like, yeah. There's two very attractive naked children. I was very impressed. I hadn't had a boner in 30 years, but it got a wiggle out of me. You know, like, ew, dude, gross. Um, but the, these two little naked alien kids <laughs> were playing <laughs> near the ramp. Oh, yeah, that, that, that pervy old man voice, that snuck up on me. Um Thompson, so he stopped his car and got out and started approaching the air, uh, the craft, which was emitting this intense amount of heat. And once he was about 50 feet away, he noticed several more human-like figures who were also naked standing at the entrance. And they saw him. But once they realized like he was just this harmless old man, aren't they all? Um, the figures kind of motioned for him to come closer. How would they know how to do that? Um, and for the next 40 hours, so that's a long time, you know, it's more than a day, uh, almost two days, uh, Thompson talked with these humanoids. Uh, he learned that they were from Venus and they were visiting Earth despite the fact that other Venetian ships had been shot at by various military forces. Cool. So the U.S. and probably Russia, if we're being honest, they're they're just shooting at alien spaceships as they fly past. Okay. Um, the Venusians claimed that all of Earth's problems stemmed from humanity's belief in astrology and the fact that everyone was born under a different star sign, whereas all Venetians were born under Taurus. Even though, like, if you want to get into astrology, Venus occupies Libra on the astrological chart. Not that it matters. Um The Venetians also told Thompson that they were vegetarian and never got sick because how would they know what being sick was like if they had never experienced it? Anyway, uh, Thompson noted that the Venetians were very childlike and didn't know who had actually built their spaceships or how how they had even been built to begin with, which really just sounds like an excuse to explain how the ships got here. He's got this 70 year old man. He's like, well. You know, the the little naked, pretty little naked children, you know, they had their spaceships, right? And, uh, you know, I I dabbled with the astrology. They said that it's because we're all uh, under different star signs. You know, I'm a Cancer. And, you know, my wife, my wife was a Scorpio. Oh, what a handful she was, you know. And then uh, I had a child. They were Sagittarius. And we just never could get along. And so, yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, and, you know, they they had their vegetarian diets. You know, I moved up here, you know, Pacific Northwest. I was a pretty open-minded kind of guy. And, you know, left the meat behind. Never felt better in my life. And they told me they'd never been sick in their life and so you know i asked them you know how's, how'd, how'd you get here and, you know who built this nice fancy spaceship they didn't know you know i didn't, didn't know how they got here how, who built them how they got built so who am i to who am i to press in on that you know just uh god they were so pretty though man i just wanted to just explore their tiny little tiny little bodies they're just so pretty <laughs> <laughs> anyway 
Um, huh. What's weird? <laughs> Here's the thing. All right, peek behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, I know this episode is coming out in October. I am recording this the day after I just found out my grandfather died. So I'm in a weird place right now. And to do, <laughs> to do a voice, to, to just create a character of a creepy old man the day after my grandfather has died, I don't know. Like my brain, my brain sees a lot of problems with that. And, uh, but no, he like, I don't think my grandfather was a pervert. I don't think I'm projecting here. All right. If anything, he was just super oblivious to that, to that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know this, this is just, this is just where we're going this week. All right. Um, when Thompson went back to the story, uh, when Thompson left the ship on March 30th, he immediately told everyone that he could and and no one apparently had even realized that he had been gone for two days um he claimed that he was going to be the first of many people to meet these venetians and he would teach earthlings i guess the the ways of the venusians and then according to thompson after the people of earth had adopted the venusian lifestyle jesus christ would return sometime around the year ten thousand. at which point everyone just checked out on this story because it's it's all over the place all right so you're gonna tell me that people from venus showed up here and then you're gonna teach us how to live like people on venus and then once we do that jesus christ of the bible of religions who don't even believe this stuff to begin with is going to come back in the year 10,000. That's a long time from now. I'm just, you know, not sure if you were aware of that. It's like 8,000 more years. Um, Kenneth Arnold, like we mentioned earlier, heard about Thompson's story and he came down to interview. Even Arnold did not completely believe this story, but he also didn't think that an old man would try to pull such an elaborate prank on people. So that is why this story has kind of survived. I don't know how it ends. That's just how this story ends. You know, Thompson says he meets these aliens, and then I don't know. I don't know how how long he lived. Clearly, like, no one is trying to live like a Venusian, though. So, eh, who knows? Um, fast forward about five years on the night of April 24th, 1955, when Buck Nelson watched three flying uh, saucers begin to circle his farm uh, near Mountain View, Missouri, which is um, a small town in the like the southern, like super methy part of Missouri um, in the Ozarks. And so Buck, he saw this. He immediately grabbed his camera and took several pictures, uh, none of which conveniently still exist. Um, And he tried to signal these flying saucers with his flashlight and suddenly a beam of light that was brighter and hotter than the sun shot out from one of the saucers which immediately healed buck's lower back pain and also fixed his poor eyesight sure uh moments later the saucers landed on the property and buck was face to face with three quote friendly human spacemen and their dog because dogs are aliens, I guess. Um, two of the people were from Venus and had named themselves Bucky and Bob. Okay. 
Um, they took Buck with them. So Buck, you know, Buck joins Bucky and Bob, this guy, um, goes up in the spacecraft and they fly around space and they went to the moon and they went to Mars and they went to Venus and Bucky and Bob showed Buck how aliens lived. Uh, they also told Buck about past civilizations that had lived on Earth and had destroyed themselves prior to the current human race. Maybe that explains the Egyptian pyramids. Probably not. Um and after they had developed power greater than the planet's current atomic weapons, um, the aliens told Buck that the inappropriate use of atomic energy would destroy civilization once again and that Earth's leaders needed to use it responsibly. So this is what I was talking about last week. You have this climate <clears throat> where atomic weapons have been developed and people have seen how destructive they can be and no one's brains up to that point has been able to see or comprehend something of that magnitude and no one knows how to react. Nobody can process this properly. And so you have some of these people like Buck Nelson, clearly on meth, I think, super methed out dude right now, who just go into these delusions and have these fantasies and hallucinations or whatever you want to call them of aliens coming and saying, Hey, no, don't be doing stuff with atomic energy or you're going to end up like past civilizations who killed themselves. Sure. Um, however, before, uh, the group left, they gave Buck a list of commandments known as the 12 laws of God dot 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 on venus i am not trying to make a joke there there are that many dots in the title of this uh communication i mean like there's hang on let me see if i can count them one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve fifteen there are fifteen dots uh five ellipses if you want to be grammatically accurate about it the twelve laws of god five ellipses on venus sure all right um and the commandments i have them here because i know you want to know them um they are as follows number one love your maker quote in in, in parentheses god um don't kill that includes in, uh accidents and war love your neighbor uh do good works so that everyone will see them and this will honor you and your maker god uh don't commit adultery don't steal uh, do unto others as you wish to be done to you. Don't have any other gods. Don't take the name of God in vain. Uh, honor your parents. Uh, your body belongs to God, so don't eat or drink anything that isn't food, which feels very subjective. And don't do or wear anything that would cause harm to your body. And then number 12, God made heaven and earth, so we should thank him for that. Now, here's the problem I have with... All of this. One, this is ripping off the Ten Commandments for sure. But also, if the title is the 12 laws of God on Venus, why is number 12 talking about Earth? I don't know. Like, it's this this specific um, incident to me reeks of a guy who grew up very religious and also very stupid and is trying to morph these two worlds together, and he did not think this through. 
Um, following his alleged encounter, Buck started holding an, uh, an annual spacecraft convention near his farm. Um, at the convention, he would tell people about a, quote, book machine on Venus that could, upon being fed a book, read the pages, play any music, or show any picture that it contained. Which, you know, it's basically a computer. Um, he also sold uh, copies of his own book that he wrote, My Trip to Mars, the Moon, and Venus, along with envelopes uh, containing strands of black hair that he claimed had fallen off the alien dog. Huh. Here's the crazy part. No one seemed to question this dude's story or his seemingly never-ending supply of alien dog hair. Like, he did this convention for years. He had tons of envelopes full of alien dog hair. No one questioned it. Um, he did eventually move out to California where people of his ilk tend to go, where he died in 1982. All right. Our next story here happened on November 5th, 1957, when Reinhold Schmidt was driving through the country near Kearney, Nebraska, when he saw a large cigar shaped object sitting in a field. Now, since it was Nebraska, where anything that isn't flat can easily stick out on the horizon. Schmidt pulled off the road and went over to investigate. Uh, when he walked up to the object, he was then escorted inside by six aliens who looked exactly like humans. So, I don't know, maybe they were just humans. Um, the uh, human aliens spoke fluent German and claimed to be from Saturn. Uh, they had come to Earth because of the recently launched Sputnik satellites from Russia, as well as the United States' own plans to launch its satellites. Uh, the aliens were drinking MJB coffee, which uh, it was an old-timey brand of coffee, and they kept an MG sports car in their, like, uh, spaceship, I guess, that they used to run errands around Earth, because you got to get groceries, right? I don't know. Um, Schmidt was given a ride on the ship, which he noted had propellers on both ends, and they went up into Earth's orbit, uh, where they joined up with the mothership, where he also took a tour. Uh, the aliens inside the um, mothership, like others before Schmidt, shared similar uh, their similar religious message uh, like they did with Buck Nelson and told Schmidt that they had visited in the past to help Jesus Christ, who was actually a Venusian <laughs> with his mission on Earth. Now, all right. So now here's the thing. All right. We're starting to tie some things together. All right. Buck Nelson. All right. Maybe he did not adequately communicate this, all right? But we have the 12 laws of God, dot, 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 on Venus. Last one, you know, is like, you know, it has to do with Earth, but that's fine. Um, but maybe Jesus Christ was a Venusian alien. And, you know, that's something that we've missed in the Bible, I guess. Uh, does not explain how he died and was resurrected or maybe it was maybe venusians have the ability to resurrect themselves after they die and maybe jesus at this very moment is sitting on venus i can tell you that's not the case because a we have satellite images of venus and the surface of venus there's no one there to the surface of venus is preposterously hot and full of very toxic gas and molten rock because it is closer to the sun and just the atmosphere not oxygenated enough. Uh, but it's full of other gases and it's extremely hot. There's no one there. Now, granted, in the 1950s, no one knew this information. But you now you're starting to like at least build uh, a, a form 
of something. I don't know. There's 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 connections here though that aliens from Venus, including Jesus, are trying to help the people of Earth out because the people of Earth suck. All right. Um, after Schmidt left this ship, he drove over to the local police station to tell them about this experience. Um, he even took officers back to the scene where they found deep imprints in the dirt, along with a quote, mysterious green residue on the ground, but the ship conveniently not there. Um, he then joined Wayne Sulo Aho and John Otto on their lectures across the country, talking about aliens, uh, before he relocated to Bakersfield, California. Uh, during his own lecture, Schmidt began seeking out elderly widows and getting their addresses where he would then visit them at home and tell them deeper secrets about his encounter, which included rides above the Earth's atmosphere where he had seen secret mineral deposits, including a form of quartz that uh, cured cancer. So he's just a con man at this point. Um, Schmidt told the women that he had used all of his savings to purchase this site and now needed help mining the crystals and these widows not knowing any better but wanting to help this seemingly innocent midwesterner cure cancer uh quickly forked over thousands of dollars to help this guy out schmidt ended up collecting over thirty thousand dollars before he was arrested and convicted of grand theft and then after he was released from prison schmidt returned to nebraska to live out the rest of his life so probably made the whole thing up just to create this weird scam of elderly widow ladies to go mine special quartz crystals that cured cancer. Anyway, uh, going to jump ahead a couple of decades here to November 5th, 1975, when Travis Walton was working with a timber stand improvement crew in the Apache Site Greaves National Forest in the northern part of Arizona uh, near the town of Snowflake. Uh, and as he and his crew rode through the forest, they came upon this saucer-shaped object hovering above the ground and making this high-pitched buzzing noise. Walton, who apparently was the bravest member of the group, got out of the truck to investigate. But as soon as his feet hit the ground, a beam of light from beneath the craft uh, hit him and knocked him unconscious. And Walton awoke sometime later in what looked like a hospital room, but instead of nurses, Walton was surrounded by three short, bald creatures. And, you know, understandably, he begins freaking out and fighting with them before a human wearing a helmet appeared and led him to another room. There, uh, three other humans put something that resembled an oxygen mask over his face, which then knocked him unconscious before he could, you know, kind of fight back. Um, the next thing Walton knew, he was back on that same Forest Service road watching as the craft went back up into the sky and drifted away from him. Now, unbeknownst to Walton, five days had passed and authorities were actually in the process of figuring out which one of his co-workers they needed to charge with murder. Uh, when Walton returned, much to everyone's shock, he told police his side of the story. No one believed him, obviously. Um, everyone was then ordered to take a polygraph test. Uh, all of them passed with one exception, which came back inconclusive. I don't know which one came back inconclusive. They don't know. But Walton was one of the people who passed. Um, despite that, many people thought this whole story was a hoax. 
Walton, however, published a book in 1978 recounting his claims, which later became the basis for the 1993 film Fire in the Sky. I haven't seen it. I don't know who's in it. It's probably not good. Um, even more, the National Enquirer awarded Walton and his co-workers $5,000 for the uh, Best UFO Case of the Year award. Uh, in 2008, Walton appeared on the game show The Moment of Truth and was asked if he truly was abducted by aliens. Um, basically, The Moment of Truth is you take a live polygraph test on TV or whatever. Um, so after responding yes, the polygraph test that he was hooked up to said that he was lying. Uh, however, Walton continued and has continued to claim that everything that happened to him was absolutely true. I mean, what's the alternative? I mean, he's with his work crew. He gets out and like, honestly, it was probably just a prank that went horribly wrong. You know, like there's probably not a UFO. All right. Or anything weird. They probably just told him to get out. And then maybe like one of his coworkers, like just threw a rock at his head or something and just knocked him unconscious. And then they probably just left. They probably left him there thinking, oh, well. He's, he's dead. We're going to, we're going to be in trouble. We'll just tell him, we'll tell everybody, uh, he walked off the site. We can't see him, but then the police get involved and they think one of the coworkers murdered him. And then Walton shows up out of nowhere, crazy. And then he's like, no, I was abducted by aliens, which is probably not at all what his coworkers were preparing to hear him say. So now everybody's confused, but, uh, dude thinks that that's what happened. Uh, our final story here. Happened on May 10th, 1978, when Jan Volsky was uh, driving his horse-drawn carriage through a Polish forest because that's Poland. Um, suddenly, uh, two short, green-faced creatures jumped from the shadows and into Jan's carriage. Rather than attack him, however, uh, the two creatures decided to strike up a conversation, which was completely pointless since neither of them knew each other's respective languages, obviously. Um, initially Jan thought that the two green men were foreigners, which does nothing to dispel the Polish stereotypes that currently exist. Um, but as he drove into a clearing, he saw a large object hovering above the ground. And this craft, which he said was as big as a bus was completely white and void of any like windows, lights, or other features with the exception of four black objects on the side that looked like drills. Um, as he approached this craft in his carriage, a platform attached to the bottom descended to the ground. Uh, the two creatures that had jumped in his carriage um, hopped off and accompanied Jan onto the craft um, and gestured to him to take off his clothes. Now, Jan, not sensing anything out of the ordinary because Polish people just lack a general sense of awareness about everything. It's just obvious throughout history. Um, he happily obliged, and once he was naked, he was examined with two objects that looked like plates. Um, he then put his clothes back on and was offered a piece of food that looked like icicles, but he refused. Eh, his loss. Um, once everything was finished, Jan was then returned home where he immediately told his family what happened. Um, Jan's sons and several of the neighbors quickly went back to the site where the craft had been, but obviously and conveniently it was gone. However... The grass in that area had been pressed down and Jan's sons found footprints that they couldn't recognize that they attributed to those creatures. Um, 
from that point on, like nothing else really happened. The story didn't get a ton of media attention and the incident was never investigated. However, in 2005, a memorial was constructed at the site of the alleged abduction and it's still there today. And that is the end of our stories. So there you go. I mean, I know I know what I said at the start of the episode that I was going to try to not let my biases come in. I, I failed at that so hard. But um, I don't know. Maybe look, if you want to believe that aliens can abduct people, go on, go for it. I'm not going to say you're stupid. I just don't think that that's possible. But maybe it is. What do I know? I'm just some autistic schmuck who has opinions. Um, let us now see what we learned. What did we learn? Number one, um, I want to address something very obvious also that uh, a lot of these stories did not really have satisfying endings. And I, the only reason I can think of as to why is because these people made this stuff up. All right. Number two, uh, Jesus is apparently uh, from Venus. You guys, um, big, big parts left out of the Bible. And honestly, you can get super deep into conspiracies if you want to on this, because I mean, look, you can go down a rabbit hole here. The, the early church full of corruption and scandal, even prior to uh, Martin Luther and, and his whole Protestant reformation, early church, very, very uh, corrupt, but they controlled everything. And they controlled scriptures and you can edit stuff out of the Bible. Maybe there's some stuff in the Bible that may have been, you know, made it really clear that Jesus and God and all the angels and all of that, they're from Venus and we've missed it because the church didn't want people to know that kind of information. I don't know why they wouldn't want people to know that information. I I don't know what logic would would justify that, but maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, and that's it. You know, uh, there's no number three. I think that's an interesting, uh, conspiracy theory though, that, that can be developed and into, into figuring something deeper out. I don't know. See, that's honestly, that's what the, uh, was it the national treasure movie? No, Da Vinci code. That's what the Da Vinci code should have been about. Should have been about not, Mary Magdalene, who cares about her? No, should have been about how Jesus was from Venus because that that's that's the real secret to unlocking ugh, everything. Next week on Our Weird World, it is actually Halloween, uh, the Monday episode and Halloween on Monday. Um, Going to look at four haunted houses, uh, not necessarily famous haunted houses, but haunted houses that have an extensive history of alleged paranormal encounters. We're going to look at the octagon, not the MMA uh, ring, but like a house that's literally called the octagon. Uh, we're going to look at Raynham Hall, the Whaley House, and the Pickens County Courthouse. So, um, 
you know, just look, last two years have been pretty rough for the last week of Halloween month. Uh, wanted to just go in a different direction. All right. And not do such a horrific, heinous story. Uh, it's just fun. A little fun, a little haunted house for your Halloween entertainment, but that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Uh, keep telling your friends about the show because God needs something to happen with this. I really, I like this podcast blowing up could really solve a lot of, a lot of problems in my life, not the world. I don't care about that. So keep telling your friends, but if you can't do that, at least just keep it. with you. Well, I don't give a dang about nothing. I'm singing and bling blanging while the girls are drinking long necks down. And I wouldn't trade old Leroy or my Chevrolet for your Escalade or your freak parade. I'm the only John Wayne left in this town. I'm a thoroughbred. That's what she said in the back of my truck bed as I was getting buzzed on suds out on some backcountry road. We were flying high, fine as wine, having ourselves a big and rich time. And as I was going, just about as far as she'd let me go, but her evaluation of my cowboy reputation had me begging for salvation all night long. So I took her out gigging frogs introduced her to my old bird dog and sang her every Willie Nelson song I could think of. And we made love and I saddled up my horse and I ride into the city and I make a lot of noise cause the girls, they are so pretty riding up and down Broadway on my old stud Leroy And the girls say, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Everybody says, save a horse, ride a cowboy.